is good. All right, well, my name is Pastor Bill, as I mentioned before, and we are in a sermon series called DNA. It's the core of the local church. Where have we been? Where are we going? We've talked about mission and values. Today, we're going to talk about vision. And then next week, we're going to talk about how do we make all that happen through the strategy. So when it comes to vision, I want to ask a very simple question. What is your vision for your future? Now, <clears throat> we have many dreams as kids, and we want to be all these different things, and we have all these wild ideas. One week you want to be a policeman, one one you want to be an entrepreneur, one week you want to be a rap star, I don't know, whatever it is, right? And then <clears throat> somehow life happens, we grow up. And, and the greatest tragedy that I see are adults who have lost the ability to dream, have lost the ability to imagine. And, and we're living on the outside, but are we living on the inside? And that's what I want to talk about today when it comes to vision, because God has big dreams, and God wants to involve you in those big dreams. And when we have that vision, we come alive. We have that ability to dream, just like when we were kids. When did that go away? Does anybody have that issue, or is it just me, right? So we're going to talk about what vision looks like today, because a lot of times as you look at the world and you go through things, the dreams that we had are no longer so real, because real life happens. Now, I'm not here to give you a Pollyanna, just smile and it'll all go away. I'm not here to give you pop psychology that says, just think positive thoughts and everything will work out great. I'm here to give you something much more powerful, the word of Jesus Christ, the word of God. And it is written down and it is clear. It's not simple. It's clear. And we can dream again. In fact, God calls us to dream again. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because as we get through this phase of life, we have a choice. If our dreams are broken, if we can't imagine anymore, we have a choice. We can either wait on God and see what he does, or we can give up on God and see how that goes. I think more and more in today's society, I'm seeing people take that path and giving up on God. And what a tragedy. When we, when we give up on God, we do a couple of things. We either say, well, you know, God's going to do what God's going to do. I'm just going to wait and see what happens. Not a good strategy if you want to win. That's playing defense, right? The best you can do playing defense is not lose, but you can't win. Or the other one is, well, God's not doing it, so I'm just going to do this myself. If you want a job done right, you got to do it yourself, right? How does that work out for us? I can tell you story after story in my life where I tried to make it happen and it wasn't in God's will and, and it did not end well. And yet I'm still alive. It's amazing, right? Anybody with me there? So when we come to this crossroad, I hope that we will choose to wait on God, but there's a specific way to wait on God. And today's word is gonna come out of the book of Habakkuk. How many people have read the book of Habakkuk? All five of us, awesome. Man, I picked a good one. So here's the cool thing about this prophet. Now, most prophets, when you think about Old Testament prophets, you think, this is the guy that spoils your party. This is the guy that shows up and says, you're wrong, you're terrible people, you need to turn back to God, y'all are a miserable bunch, right? Isn't that the standard prophet message? Well, Habakkuk is different because Habakkuk's anger and angst isn't directed at the people. It's actually directed at God. Now, how many of you, don't show your hands, because you might get hit by lightning, how many of you have ever said to God, God, come on, what are you doing? How long are you going to let this happen? Why do you allow this to go on? That's my buddy, Habakkuk. That's why I like this guy, because I can relate to this guy. And so what we're going to read is in uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, 
I'll just put it up on the screen here. Oh, before I do that, let me give you a little bit of a setting here because this, this is gonna make a lot more sense. So Habakkuk is living in the southern kingdom. By this time, they have split, right? Northern and southern. And, and they're having all kinds of issues. But here's the issue that Habakkuk is dealing with. There's a lot of uh, turning away from the covenant of God. And as a result of not following God's law, there's all kinds of moral decay and violence going on. And that moral decay and violence are leading to all these symptoms that you see on the right side of the screen, corruption, injustice, idolatry, and wickedness. Man, that could be a chapter out of today, couldn't it? So you think this thing isn't living and real? Oh, it is. It's designed to help us through times like this. There's no reason that we should be caught by surprise by any of this. God has foreseen it. God has written it down. God has given us examples. And if we'll pay attention, we can glean some valuable lessons learned in how to proceed. So with that, let's read from chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Here's what it says. Uh, Habakkuk has been talking to God and asking these questions, how long, why you let this go on, and here's what happens. Habakkuk says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. This part ought to make the hair stand up on the back of your head. Then the Lord replied. Have you ever been in a prayer time when God answered you very clearly? Careful what you ask for, because here's what he said. The Lord replied, write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. These are the words of God for the people of God. And for these words, we are grateful. So what can we learn about vision from all this? Let's back up for just a second here. Here's the first thing I want to emphasize. Habakkuk has these issues, and he's not afraid to tell God exactly how he feels. So if you, in your prayer time, if you and your concerns in life are worried that God might be offended because you're a little angry, guess what? God can handle it. Let her rip. In fact, some of the best verses of the Bible, the ones that I can relate to most are when people are letting God have it. What are you doing? What's your timeline, God? Why are you letting this happen? And if you haven't been there yet, you will. And when you do, know that you've got good company, but know this also. You've got a greater God. And we're going to walk through what that looks like. Here's the thing that encourages me about Habakkuk. Not only does he say what's on his mind, but he is determined to be proactive in his response to that. I will stand my watch. I will station myself on the ramparts. That takes an act of devotion. I'm going to go out and I'm going to look for what God's going to do. And when you stand watch on the ramparts, it's not like a casual thing. It's not like you're thumbing through your phone going, well, oh, I'll play Candy Crush while I wait for God. You know? I think I just dated myself. <laughs> anyway, what he's doing is he's actively, expectantly waiting for God to do something. He's at watch on the ramparts, paying attention, looking for God. How often do we go through life and we just kind of take things for granted? We go, oh, God's going to do something. I don't know. How often do we take the step to stand on the ramparts to actively watch for what God might do in our midst. I will look to see what he will say to me. He expects God to answer. If I'm honest, sometimes, you know, life just grinds you down. You, you get kind of heavy and depressed and burdened. You've asked God all these questions. You, you don't have an answer. And sometimes it's easy just to give up on God's answer. But let me tell you, God's timeline is a big one. God's vision is even bigger. And if we give up at the moment when he's ready to act, we miss an opportunity 
See, I'm not here to browbeat us and shame us for why we aren't paying attention to God. I'm saying, look, let's stand together on these ramparts. Let's look for what God's going to do because when it happens, I want to be ready to go. Let's prepare right now so that when the word comes, we're off on this together. And this together, by the way, is a grand, grand adventure with a great calling. So let's make an effort to watch expectantly. Now, the bad news is <clears throat> God does reply. He says, write this down. It's going to be pretty clear. Now, this is the bad news for Habakkuk and, and that time. He says, okay, Habakkuk, I got you. This is Bill's interpretation. So you won't find this here. <laughs> Uh, he says, I got you. Now, here's the thing. You're right. Judah's society, the leadership is corrupt. They have fallen and turned away from God. They're terrible people. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send in the Babylonian army to wipe them out. Now, can you imagine what Habakkuk said back? It's probably also not written down. Right? <laughs> his first thought was probably not what came out of his mouth. It's like, are you serious? Those people are 10 times worse than what we have. God says, I know, I know. But I'm going to use them as an instrument of correction. And this is what scares me to death. Sometimes God says, I'm going to have an instrument of correction. And what caused that instrument of correction? Does God hate me? Is God spiteful? Is God vindictive? Or did I start that process by turning away from the covenant that he made so long ago? See, we can choose to do anything we want. I've seen all these YouTube clips of people debating in the public forum to go, I can do anything I want. I can do whatever I want. And you know what? That is true. You can do whatever you want. But what you can't choose is the consequences of what we do. And by the way, what I do affects you. I can do whatever I want. I'm going to go get drunk and drive through the center of town. It's just me. It's my right. You know what? I can do that. But I can't control what happens with my car. God forbid I crash into someone and cause injury. So that's just one small example, but we are interconnected in this thing called life. Like it or not, we are family. And what you do affects me, and what I do affects you. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. What we do for God affects me. What I do for God affects you. And so for me to be all that I can be, I need you to be all that you can be. And suddenly I feel like joining the army. Anybody with me? Be all you can be. Okay, that one was wasted a little bit. All right. <laughs> so sometimes God is an instrument of correction. That's one way to look at this. But we are not Habakkuk. We are not in Habakkuk's time. What does God have to say to us today? I'm praying to God that there is a different vision, one that returns to covenant, one that where people learn from this and say, you know, this didn't work out so well last time. And what caused that? Oh, yeah, they strayed from God's covenant. They strayed from the word. They didn't follow and listen to God. So you know what? This time... We're going to follow God. We're going to return to that covenant. Imagine what that might look like. Well, you would take all that stuff that happened. I don't know if you can see these words, but we just turn them right upside down. That's kind of what Jesus does when he comes into your life. He turns your world upside down. The things that we're comfortable with, the things that we think we deserve, or, or the things that we just kind of have been on coast mode through, God's going to upset that apple cart. It's, I like Ryan Rogers' phrase, it's glorious chaos, right? When God comes into your world like that, but man, are the results worth it? I, can, I mean, I can't even begin to describe. I can tell you story after story, <clears throat> and that's one of the benefits that I have, is I get to hear all these stories. I'm gonna, I, I promise I will be a better storyteller and share what's going on in this congregation, because you would be amazed at what, what's going on in that person next to you. The way that God has shown up, the way that God is calling and encouraging, that God's lifting up and equipping. Folks, we are in a ripe 
opportunity right here in the heart of Fulcher with the Spirit of God moving. I don't want anybody to miss this. That's why vision is so, so important. Now, I want to talk about, so it's okay, Bill, I get it. Vision's important, so what do we do? Well, here's what we're going to do as a family, Lord, sir. Number one, we're going to look at what are the local needs. This is a thing called a vision frame. It comes out of a book called Church Unique by Will Mancini. Will is a church consultant specialist who has worked with WordServe in the past. Uh, now, uh, I'm continuing this thread because here's where we're going to see the vision. Here's where we're going to aim our efforts, WordServe family. Local needs. Well, we're not going to be relevant if we're not addressing local needs. So what are our local needs? When we went through this process over, well, it's been over 10 years now, over a decade ago, we had a lot of local poverty, like within stone's throw distance. That's why WordServe's ministry to rebuild houses started, because we saw a local need that we could meet. We had people that swing hammers, houses that need fixing. What a beautiful combination. That's a local need. We've got to start there. And, and I don't know all the local needs, but we do. See, that's the importance of family. If I just come from on high and say, thus saith WordServe, here's what we're going to do in the community, what if I got it wrong? What if you know of needs that are greater? What if you know of needs that are more present and would make the word of God relevant in someone's life? So together, I'm asking us, begin to pray about local needs. What are they? Where can we meet them? Unless we become too ingrown, I'm going to ask you to broaden your horizons. What are the needs of the world? Because Jesus doesn't say, hey, take care of just your neighbor, your literal neighbor. He says Judea, Samaria, and beyond. So we're going to be thinking about the world as well. But let's start right here at home with local needs. The second thing I'm going to ask you is to, to be honest and, and don't be too humble about our collective potential. And what does that mean? That means what gifts and talents are sitting right here in this room. What abilities, what experience, what fires you up. How has God wired you? How can you give that back? I talk about this every Sunday. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I find precious few people that will actually engage with me to find out what that is. I'm excited about the potential, though, because I know God's going to do something great. Can you feel it? I feel something moving. And it's not just breakfast. All right, so what skills, talents, and abilities does your church have? They're sitting right here in this room, a treasure trove of talent. And I'm convinced that God is the great puzzle maker. He, have you ever worked one of those puzzles that's really difficult? My wife just worked a Peanuts puzzle. It was the faces of all the Peanuts characters. Do you know how similar those faces look? I heard about how similar those faces look almost every day for the past month, but she completed it. Now, the one thing that always helps, I cheat. I don't know if you guys do this. I always put the lid of the puzzle right out there where you can see it. Right? Anybody else do this? Yeah. Okay, so I'm not a cheater. I'm, this not cheating? Oh, man, it's here I've been carrying this guilt all these years. <laughs> I feel free. Yeah. All right, so, so looking at that vision, you can see more clearly where the puzzle pieces fit. And the first thing you do is you line the edges, right? You find the edge pieces. So what we're going to do with this vision frame is we've already started to line the edges because we've already talked about our mission. We've already talked about our strategy. We're going to talk about, uh, or, excuse me, we've talked about our mission. We've talked about our uh, values. Right? And then we're going to talk about some other things that are going to frame this vision up for us. But ultimately, I'm convinced that God is the great puzzle maker, and he has put all the pieces in place as we speak. They're sitting right here in this room. They live right next to you. They go to work with you. 
They go to school with you. They're all right here. All we need to do is bring them together and let God assemble them to create a wonderful masterpiece. So what experiences and abilities do you have? Be praying about that. And notice that these circles are starting to overlap. So where do our abilities, talents, and experience start to meet local needs? You can start to see where ministry starts to happen. But we're not done yet. There's one more thing that we need. We need whatever energizes leadership. Because if your leadership isn't behind this, prepared to support this with whatever it takes to get it done, it's just going to be a great dream that fizzles. It's going to have tremendous potential, but no actual results. That's not the God we serve. He's not a God of potential. He's a God of results. And his results have order and meaning and purpose and grace and forgiveness. Are these words sounding familiar? This is the adventure that God invites us to, to shape this community after his kingdom and not ours. So once we get all of this together, what causes excitement and brings energy to the leadership, guess what? Look at that spot right in the center where these three circles overlap. Boom. There's your vision. That's what we do. That's what God has called us and equipped us and placed us at such a time as this to impact this community. This is a process I look forward to going through with you, WordServe, and there's going to be more that comes out in this, but I want you to start praying uh, like now would be good. <laughs> what do I pray about, Bill? These three things. What are our local needs? Write them down. Make them plain as if on a tablet so a herald could run with it. I've heard that somewhere before. Make sure we're looking at our collective potential and don't be humble. God has gifted you tremendously. You all have gifts that are beyond compare. And if God energizes and uses those gifts, imagine what we can do. And then finally, leaders, I'm speaking to, to everybody, but specifically leaders, what is God putting on your hearts? Because if we're doing our job right as leaders of this church, we are in communication with God on a regular basis. We're ready to receive. What would you have us do, God? And oh, by the way, who is a leader in this church? Every one of you. God has equipped you to go and make disciples. All authority has been given to him. He passes that on to us to teach, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Make disciples of all the nations, Judea, Samaria, and beyond. You, uh, I just hereby deputize you. Let me just say that. You are a leader in this church. Go and do ministry. I could say amen and we could go home right now, but don't because there's food following, right? So these are the things that I want us to pray about. I want you to be thinking about these in, in, in ways that excite you. So let me, let me cap where we've been so far in this series. And by the way, if you've missed the first two ser sermons in this series, you can always catch them on YouTube, on Facebook, or on our website, wordserve.org slash sermons. Go back and hear about these other things because we've checked off mission. What's our mission? Yeah, I put it right on the screen. Come on, guys. <laughs> so check. We've got a mission. We're going to make disciples. What's our strategy? Love like Jesus. It's not rocket science. It's simple, but it's hard to do. That's why we do it together now. Vision, that's coming. So what I want to encourage you is wait for it. Don't give up on God. Don't try to do it ourselves. Wait for God. Because God is assembling the puzzle pieces as we speak. God is calling us to something greater. I can feel it. And it's not just an emotion. There's change coming. And we are at the forefront of it. We are well positioned for it strategically. So wait for it and follow. Don't force. 
This isn't something that we're going to get our heads together and go, I've got a great idea. This is what we should do in the community. Well, if God has given you that idea, I'm on board. But if it's just your opinion, mm, I'm going to wait for God. That has a better track record. But here's the main thing I want us to do, Lord, serve. As we go through this process together, as we look for what God is calling us to do, as we look at how we're already equipped, I want you to wait on God. Bill, I'm so confused. You just said, let's get fired up, something's happening, and now you're saying wait. Well, we, we've just had a, a pregnancy uh, in word serve, so what do they call it when you're pregnant? You're expecting. Word serve, I want us to expect God to do something. These prayers that we're throwing up, these aren't blanks, this is live rounds. These are things that God is gonna act on. I expect God to answer, but here's the scary part. I want you to brace yourselves right now. God might answer. God might reply. And my question is, word serve, are we ready when he does? Are we expectantly waiting? Or have we given up on God? Because remember the crossroads at the start of the sermon? This is the, what the crossroads results look like. We can give up on God and enjoy the left half of the screen of our own making because we turned away from the covenant or we can wait on God and we can ask for courage. We can look at local needs. We can look at what we have to offer in this congregation. We can energize our leadership and we can enjoy the right side of this screen together. My prayer word, sir, is that we would wait on God but prepare to act. Who's with me? I'll take five. Jesus had 12. All right, let's pray. Yeah, thank you for a, a vision that is far bigger than anything we can imagine. I pray that you would help us be a people who dreams, dreams again, but not vacant dreams, not, not dreams that have no meaning, dreams of a world that we would want to live in, a world we'd want to hand off, a world we would want to inherit, one that looks like your kingdom more so than anything else. One that turns the tide from the trends that we're on and reestablishes that covenant that you so long ago made with us. God, help us to realize at the same time that this covenant is, is something that you have never strayed from. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Your promises are true. It's us who have departed. So God, call us back. Not out of guilt and shame, not driven by a whip, but driven by love, driven by a desire to be a part of this driven by a desire to be part of something bigger, far bigger than we can imagine, even far bigger than we can see. And God, we pray for eyes to see like you do. God, prepare us as we pray for local needs and what we have and what energizes us. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit to discern. Help us to focus because we know we can't do everything, but we're not called to do everything, God. We're called to do what you call us to do. So call, God. We stand on the rampart watching. We'll write it down. We'll make it clear. Then help us to run with it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.